Hey everyone, welcome back to the Spiritual Alchemy Podcast. I'm Camille Babington, and once again, I'm here with Jean Palmer Maloney. It's a wonderful pleasure to be participating in yet another conversation with you, Camille. Hi. So today's topic is time, and it fits well within the theme of intention and fulfillment, which is kind of where we think it's going to go for now. Although other themes in spiritual alchemy evidently link and connect in important ways, such as the theme you know, of perception and impermanence. Yeah. You know, That's time, a huge one. time's fleeting, or is it? Really? You I know? mean, time, we were just talking about this. Time is in everything, within everything we say and do, and it's so connected to our lives in so many ways that, yeah, it, it, it just could go within any of the themes that we have, really. You know, and even, my goodness, when people are stopping and mindfully meditating, they're timing yeah. it, right? They're going to do, mm-hmm. are we going to meditate for 20 minutes? Mm-hmm. It's everywhere, but yeah. you know, it's it's really cool and it's interesting to stop to think about all of the different ways that we understand time and the way it's passing. I mean, you could start thinking in a Stephen Hawking kind of way and go, oh, we've got a big bang deal and we've got time and space and we've got the universe. Or you can look at the mechanization of time as opposed to looking at the seasons. I mean, it's just the solstice just happened. And so the the calendar year, the movement of our time through seasons, our day to night, some of it's things that we all can at least share and agree on that maybe they have some sort of symbolic, if not absolutely real meaning. Uh, Farmers need to know what season they're in so they know what to plant. Yeah. But when we stop to think about other ways that we've mechanized time and the passage of time, sand clocks, you know, sand through the hourglass mm. or a water clock that was a very old fashioned. Those are very antique ways of keeping track of time. And it wasn't until the 1300s that people started interlocking gears and then and then pendulums. And we're not going to get into a history of the discussion of the mechanisms, but time pieces have not always been with us and we're we're so obsessed with time but as we were getting ready to prepare for this uh i i was really struck by how the use of personal time pieces has only been around since about the 1850s that people depended on clocks and towers in their communities to help them understand what know what time it was and maybe they weren't driven to need to know what time it was. If we, if we think about trains, the Industrial Revolution, all the things that required yeah. time. The that's shifts just so at the factory. Di- yeah, yeah. Knowing what time you have to show up and what time you have to leave. and It's crazy. I mean, it's you know, so recent and, that and we, it's a personal thing. It's on a personal level. And, and even stopping, if you stop to consider, how in the world did we decide how to divide time into hours and minutes and seconds and how did all that happen you know that uh and actually i found out that uh it was the french was it was a french discovery that you know our decision that we would divide time into 24 hour days splitting day and night at the 12 hour increments and you're like Mm -hmm. okay well wow that has dictated so much of who we are right now and what we're up to as i think about 
who has the right time? It makes me just laugh because I remember as a kid growing up and we had dial telephones and you would call a number to get the date and the time so that you could set your watch. You know? Really? But everybody's community wasn't necessarily on the same time. And you could <laughs> always swear, you know, you could get into a meeting and you could set your watch a little bit off. So it's like, hey, I'm not late. My wife, oh, shoot, we That's don't have so the same funny. time. You know, and it was so much more, um, it, it was looser then yeah. than now when we're all on. I can be communicating with colleagues in Bangladesh, and if we're going to have a phone call at 1300 ET, my computer rolls it at the same time his does, and we're on the phone because mm-hmm. we were keeping track of time. It's the computers right? and, the, and the phones. Yeah, and, and I just, I, I find it phenomenal to imagine having a, a day or two days or a week. I don't know if everybody could go a week, but could you imagine just saying, okay, we're not going to look at a timepiece. We're just going to go through the day. What would that be like? That kind of happens when I'm on vacation and I know that I don't have anything to do that day or that week. Or, But then you always have something to do, right? You always have to go see someone. Or, But really when you have nothing, like if you're on a vacation on an island or when I was in Mexico, for example. I, I literally, I didn't have anyone to meet or anything to do. Everything was so arbitrary that I never found myself looking at any watch. It was great. And it's sort of freeing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, think about all of the different terms that we use to describe time. I mean, have you, have you stopped to ponder that? Yeah, there's a lot of them. Spending time, wasting time, making time. Um, time is fleeting. You know, you're giving up time. Right. I'm giving up my time. And all of them sound like time is a finite resource, that it's going to go away someday or leave or not be here or there's never enough or, you know, it's kind of like spending time wasting time, making time. You're How frequently do we hear people say time is the one thing I can't get back? Right. You know, I'm I'm But you can. It's just a way of living your life. You can yeah. always make that time back if I, you want it. I think I mean, it's a I think it's just a really interesting mental perspective you know that the whole idea of I'm intending today today I'm going to have time for everything and then you look at your watch and you go oh I don't know if I'm going to be able to do what I intended to do or how many times do, do I listen to my lovely husband look he, he's going oh if I don't get to bed right now I'm not going to get my eight hours of sleep and I'm not going to be rested tomorrow so his intention going to bed if he's 30 minutes late, as he's missed his magic eight hours and he's not going to be rested tomorrow. And almost always, he can fulfill that intention. He'll get up and go, oh, see, I knew I didn't get enough sleep and I don't feel rested. Right. And so it, the time it's, is so arbitrary. I mean, it's really what you make of it. You know, we're always conflicted about time, not having enough or 
it not passing fast enough sometimes. Oh, my God. But it's God. all perceived. It's all perceived. Like, have you ever been in a class, I know, I know, yes. maybe, where you're just, like, looking at the, you know, oh, my God. And I could not go any slower. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes, actually, I was thinking about this. Sometimes I feel like I relate time with my heartbeat because when it goes, when it go when it goes really fast, I feel like time is just rushing past or just going crazy and, and like I'm whirling around or like, you know, cause when you're anxious or even worried excited. about something or excited. Yeah. When you're having fun mm-hmm. and when it's going slow and when it's calm and restful, it's like, man, could the day drag on any longer? Oh, and you know, and sometimes I feel like my heartbeat <laughs> is just counting seconds. And then when it slows down and it gets faster, t- like it, the time that I perceive matches that. Wow. But I feel like that's silly. You know, the only thing I should really be relating to is the sun and the moon and the seasons. And Well, I think that it's curious to me how for, for years and years and years I taught high school right? And even now, every day at three o'clock in the afternoon when the bell used to ring, I just have this need to sort of sit down for a few minutes and go, okay, I got to catch my breath. It's been a long day, (laughs) right? Because I've trained myself at that time. But you know, in the same way, and, and it's really interesting because I catch myself doing it and I haven't done it that often. I'll go, Okay, it's 11 o'clock and it's Sunday. Why does this feel bad? What, what's happening? And then it'll start triggering some memories that make me go back to that time that was so unsettling. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah. before we before we lose track of that, the speed and the the relevant the relative passing of time, I I've been thinking also in my 60s how. It's almost a one year becomes a one to one ratio of, of your age. You know, like I'm, I'm every year passing is one to sixty one. You know, right. but if if you're a ten year old or if if you're a little kid and you're waiting for your birthday and that one year is taking so long to go by, mm-hmm. it's because it's still so much. Just it's it's one eighth or it's one tenth, not one sixtieth. Yeah, yeah, of your life. Yeah. yeah. And I used to, I used to try to wonder why people didn't take down their Christmas ornaments. And and we had some elderly neighbors where I was growing <laughs> up, and they would just leave their Christmas ornaments up. And I, and I remember I asked the lady one time, and she said, "Well, why bother taking them down? It'll be Christmas again before we know it." <laughs> oh, because they were so old that, like, for them, it's just like it yeah. goes, it goes. It's it's July. <laughs> it's going to be Christmas. <laughs> I love that. You know. But it's, it is our anniversary celebrations. All of those are tied around time, right? Mm-hmm. A year, the anniversary of this happening or that happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as we talk about time within spiritual alchemy, why are we relating this to spiritual alchemy? Why are we putting this within the theme of intention and fulfillment. Why, what does this have to do with grief to purpose, really? Our mantra. Our mantra. So one of the things I'd like to start with is the moment when you're in shock, where time stands still, basically. 
because yeah. everything you thought was real and moving and the natural order of things is gone. And the present moment sort of becomes a void where time is just non-existent and you have to redefine everything. Now that is, that is how, that is one way how grief relates to time, I think. Just for that beginning shock stage. And then, you know, people start to tell you, well, it'll pass with time. Time heals all wounds. But in so many ways, the, the, the passage of time, and, and this, is a, this is a quote that I was looking at that, that you put up by Stephen Moeller. The passage of time has nothing to do with actually moving through the pain of loss. If anything, all that happens as time goes by is that grievers become so accustomed to living with the pain that it becomes an everlasting part of their lives. That pain will continue to control them if they fail to take meaningful action to actually deal with it. The amount of time grief lasts is directly related to the time needed to take effective action. And that's exactly how it relates to grief to purpose. Grief doesn't pass. It's not something that just passes. It stays within you. That pain, it stays within you. And we just get used to it, you know? That's why if we don't deal with it or take meaningful action to respond to it, reflect on it, be mindful of it, work through it and with it, and find ways to associate it with joy rather than pain, that grief that is still an important force inside of us will control us. And that's why he says the amount of time grief lasts is directly related to the time needed to take an effective action. Because people were asking him, how long is this going to last? How long am I going to be in pain? How long am I going to suffer? And you can say, you know, this is temporary. But then, or it's different amount for, dif- for different people. And then that person's just going to go, ah, well, but it's going to last forever for me. You know, one of, one of the things that I was actually surprised to find happened for me after Angus passed away, that initial time stopping it is absolutely the way I experienced it. I, I, I just, even now when I think about it, I feel this void and just being suspended, just sort of that floating through space with no context anymore, right? But it seemed like every Sunday at 11 o'clock for, for months, I would, I would be thinking... This is when Eric called. And then every Sunday at about 7.38 in the evening, I'd be like, this is when the coroner's office called. And I would, I would just wait for those moments. And I would, I would feel, I would literally feel myself falling into this, this swoon, this, this time of not being able to even imagine how can I catch my breath. Yeah. But then 
then it was it, it quit being every week and then and it was kind of like but I would often find myself thinking this time last month he was in my kitchen you know this time 3 months ago we were doing this or that you know mm-hmm. and then but it was at the mark of a year for some reason it was getting into that second it was almost like a second phase of my thinking me too and, and I, I had the same that, thing Right and, after and, a year. And, yeah. and it was just all of a sudden, I kind of quit playing the if the, you know, what if we would have done this? What if that could have been different? And it was just more of an, ex, you know, kind of going, oh, okay, this time last year, huh, the world was already undone. Yeah. And so that entire year, you know, it may have, may have been only shock and it may, you know, it may have been that time that you needed to just be in that place of swooning and and the void and but then there's a time that it needs to stop well and and you know though to to the quote there about the the time that it lasts is directly related to the time needed to take effective action I know that the minute that I was speaking with you when you said he was going to change the world and I thought I've got to take action. I've got to make that happen. That even though I didn't know how, that the moving towards stardust at that moment, the, the idea of trying to go, we've, I've got to be doing something, or this is going to be a really, really dark trip. That was an incredible response on your part. How yeah. did you come up with How did that arise? Because that is so difficult to do or say and realize within, you know... A few hours of it happening. Well, I I kind of remember sitting on the floor in the hallway talking to you on the phone, and when you said that, right. and and then I said he still is. You know, he was going to change the world. I said he still is, and it was just you know I just had to get that together, and then within the next twenty four hours we had started the crowd rise campaign. And my first thought was. For him, my first thought wasn't, oh, I'm so sad. My first thought was, well, he didn't have enough time. He didn't have enough time to do what he wanted. He was going to go out and do all these amazing things. Why now, you know? And so my first thought was related to time. And then I realized that I was suffering. But my, my initial thought was, wow, it's, it's, it wasn't his time. And so... Essentially, his time, right? It wasn't his time, and there's that word again. I know, I know. It comes back all the time, all the time. (laughs) Essentially, your grief lasts as long as you let it control you. And the best solution that we've found and that we know is true is to take meaningful action. And that's what we're trying to help people understand through spiritual alchemy, um, the transformation from grief to purpose. Because once a purpose and an action emerges from your suffering, you found a way out or you found a way through it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I believe even in some of the mindful, the, the discussions we've done on mindfulness and, and metacognition, it really relates back to some of the teaching of Joe Dispenza and others who do a lot of research in your the state of mind, the way that you are um, develop, you, you have those connections in your brain that 
they trigger an adrenaline rush. They trigger this uh, response that if you're not aware or careful, you're just kind of continuing to create that grief because there's it, it provides such an intense rush. And, and it really can, even now, even when we're just talking about that, I can feel that yeah. feeling of emptiness and that feeling and, and the, 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 the metacognitive parts of this. I'm no neuroscientist, but I know that sometimes I can let myself go into one of those swoony moments knowing what I'm doing and, and let myself... But I think more important for me is when I'm, I know I'm heading that way and I'm not really wanting to go there. And I can go, okay, let's just realize. And you think about Stardust and think about mm-hmm. the purpose that you've created out of this and what he's doing. Yeah. You know, what his energy is moving towards and all the wonderful things that have come out of it. So that's, it's, I mean, it's such a wonderful tool to 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 get through the grief and the suffering really because it brings joy it's like in a way it's like you're still able to take care of this person through the project because it's endurance depends on your care about it and your motivation and the project is in their honor you know it's by them and for them and Mm. And that shouldn't scare you. It should just build your confidence and your feeling of love and passion for the project. And that's exactly what we have. Yeah. And and so I, I absolutely think that part of what we're hoping we can contribute to the, the spiritual alchemy community as we're all together in this is an opportunity to raise questions, to, to keep the conversation going, to you know, bring up topics or comment on, on what you've heard. So we do want to encourage you to please take advantage of the opportunities we provide with the Facebook group to engage and to remember that we are, we're all in this together and it's about how do, we, how do we move forward? How do we provide support and direction and insight and, you know, ears and shoulders so we'll be providing um, more kinds of concrete ways of going through the journey from grief to purpose um, and finding that way out, finding, uh, creating things. We've already kind of shown you our story um, through those first couple areas on the membership site, but we're ready to share more uh, ideas because we have a lot. So yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening. Yeah, and, and it's, a, it's a very healing opportunity to be able yes. to offer this to you. So we're grateful, and we are very, very excited to be on this journey together. All right, until next time. Because I'm free.